Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Conversations with Leaders. I'm Sam North. Inspiration is one of the best ways to transform. Conversations with Leaders is a bi-weekly interview with key industry players, CEOs, financial authors, and professional money managers worldwide. Get valuable insights from the people who've seen it all. Are you ready? Here we go. This podcast is for information and education purposes only and should not be taken as investment advice, a personal recommendation or an offer of or solicitation to buy or sell any financial instruments. This material has been prepared without taking into account any particular recipient's investment objectives or financial situation and has not been prepared in accordance with the legal and regulatory requirements to promote independent research. Past performance is not an indication of future results. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of Conversations with Leaders. My name is Sam North, a market analyst at eToro, and I am happy to be your host today. We have a fascinating guest and topic lined up for you all, the intersection of cybersecurity and AI. And who better to enlighten us on this subject than the esteemed CEO of Checkpoint, a renowned Israeli software company? Before we begin, I'd like to kindly remind you to subscribe below where you can indulge in a plethora of exclusive episodes featuring enlightening conversations with influential leaders. Gil, I'm really looking forward to this interview today and this conversation we're going to have. But first of all, how are you? I'm doing very well, Sam. I'm glad to be here and I hope we'll have an interesting conversation. Yes, I'm sure we will. And I guess to to kick things off, Uh, I'm interested in learning a little bit more about Checkpoint, and I'm sure our listeners will be as well. Could you provide us with a a comprehensive overview of the company, including its core operations and the different facets of the business? That might be long, but I'll try to make (laughs) it uh, to squeeze it into a couple of minutes. So Checkpoint uh, today is one of the leading companies in cybersecurity. We have a very comprehensive architecture that uh, can secure a company on all its uh, different uh, facets from, you know, from your mobile phone all the way through the company endpoints, cloud, and mainly network, which is where we started. Uh, We are today um, around 6,400 employees around the world. We are headquartered in Tel Aviv, and we have here about uh, 2,500 people. Um, Most of our headquarters and almost all of our development and technology, but we also have three or more, uh, almost 4,000 people outside Israel supporting, growing our customers all over the world. Um, We started, but that's where we are today. We started around uh, exactly 30 years ago, when actually most people didn't know what's the internet. And my struggle for the first few years, I started with two partners. So we actually were the classical startup, free people, no other employees, and struggled with a market that we believed will change the world, and that's the internet. But for the first two years, actually, we have to convince people that there's potential on the internet. Mm. Sounds strange today, but my first two years was the internet is going to be real, there's going to be market, people are going to buy things, I mean, software for the internet. Um, And we're starting by building the world's first uh, firewall product, commercial firewall product, which is basically a piece of software that sits between any company and the internet and basically screens the traffic, analyzes it, 
and determines what should go from the organization out. I mean, I can surf the web, I can send email. What should go into the organization? We can get email. We can, you know, allow people to to surf our website. And what shouldn't go? Like students back then, it was students in universities. Now it's uh, malicious hackers that are trying to get inside our network and try to get inside our computers. With the years, as I mentioned, this architecture grew, became very sophisticated. The level of sophistication of attacks become far bigger. So what we have to inspect and analyze, we call the core technology stateful inspection, became uh, far more sophisticated than we have today, over 100,000 customers. Most of the big companies in the world uh, are using Checkpoint. Uh, Almost every banking transaction passes through at least one or two checkpoint uh, firewalls or checkpoint gateways that uh, analyzes them yeah fascinating it's, it's it's also so interesting to as you just touched upon there saying you know you started up the company 30 years ago and how people didn't quite know whether the internet was going to be a thing and uh, little did they know it is exactly what it, you thought it would turn out to be um look cybersecurity is a broad term and you know people would have heard of it but maybe not completely comprehend it can you provide an explanation of what cybersecurity entails and discuss the threats that both individuals and organizations will commonly encounter so i think cyber security the broad term is anything that we have to do in order to protect our presence on the internet and there's many many different uh, risks there's uh, hacking groups and again this can be governments this mm-hmm. can be criminal groups that can be individuals with different motivations to try to get into our systems and again it can be our network our cloud our endpoint our mobile so we need to defend against them coming to us uh, it means many other things uh, that's the core of what we're doing but there's a few other things like uh, protecting your identity protecting uh, but the main thing is that there's so many techniques to get that. How do I get into your system? So, again, a simple one is to try to connect to your computer and exploit some open port or open application that I can use on your computer. That's the thing we're doing very, very effectively with the network firewalls. So this doesn't happen a lot. But many other things do. So, like, we're clicking on the wrong link. You are running a software with some, or you are getting a message that inside the message is embedded some something that causes your uh, office software to uh, to download some software to the computer that turns into a malicious software. And that's the more advanced techniques to evade the computer. A modern attack today, and I'm not just speaking about consumers, but to companies, is not just one file that you get which is infected and uh, it causes some damage it actually can start with one place like you're installing an app on your uh, yeah. mobile phone that app turns to be innocent but kind of once you get some uh, ads in that or things like that they start putting some code on your device your device then communicates with a server they moves to the server or moves to another computer and only at the fourth or fifth stage it actually downloads from the internet what we call the malicious payload, the things that actually causes some damage. And again, this damage can be stealing your data and that can go on for for months or years without you noticing. And it can be um, destroying the computer, which you may notice very quickly. And by the way, there's a lot of combination. And actually an attack can be an infrastructure that can use different types of payload depending on what the the bad guys are trying to do. 
Yeah. Well, let, let's um, let's move on to to AI, which is is the latest buzzword, isn't it, in in the world? And you know, it's been present actually for quite a considerable amount of time. But I guess since the breakout of Chat GPT, it's become a little bit more mainstream, more prominent, and a more debated topic. Some argue that we might be experiencing an AI bubble. Um, I have a few questions that will sort of relate to this subject. You know, number one, in what ways does chat GPT impact the data landscape and pose threats to individuals and organizations? And how can individuals therefore protect themselves against those risks? So many people, when we speak about AI, we speak about different types of uh, damages that can happen, like machines become smarter than us, machines makes bad decisions. I'm not going to focus on Vaughn about the ethical part and the quality of the data that we get. I'm, by the way, a big believer in AI, so don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. The fact that we are going to speak about the risk doesn't mean that I'm uh, against AI, quite the contrary. Yeah. I think that one of the great things about the internet and uh, about Checkpoint that we endorse new technology. I feel that new technology is the core of our growth as human beings and and our universe. And so I think that our job is to enable new technology and make it safe. Sometimes security people are kind of, their perception is we tell you what not to do. So no, my job is to enable you to do whatever you want to do Mm -hmm. and do it safely. But let's speak about the cyber risks of AI. So Mm -hmm. AI, for example, so first AI in the the other technologies we are using a lot in our products, how to analyze traffic, how to differentiate between one pattern of communication, which is innocent to something very similar, which may be malicious. We have what we call threat cloud, which is our core cloud that analyzes all the events that are happening on the world and determines which ones are malicious and blocks them. It has 70 some technologies, over 40 of them are already AI based. So this hasn't started yesterday. This is a work of many years. But the generative AI that we are all experiencing now is very, very powerful. And it, it is it has the potential to be a big game changer here. And if we talk about the context of cyber, for example, how do I, I've talked earlier about how do I convince you to give your details, for example, of the internet. I send you something that we all see as a phishing email that says it's coming from, mm-hmm. again, eToro sends you a message, please click here and log in. Um, and if you think about that application, it has two parts. It has a code that captures your data and then uses it against you. And that's computer code. And it has an email that tricks you to think that this email is actually coming from eToro when it's not. Now, in the past, building that code, the first part, the code, you needed to be a security programmer and uh, how to write a web server that captures data, not that sophisticated, but you still need to be professional. The second part, you need to know languages, you need to imitate messages. And interestingly enough, even though it's not that complicated, when you read the phishing email with a human eye, you can spot that it's not a natural message, that it's not the original ChatGPT is a game changer here. For If you take that example, you can create a super professional phishing attack yeah. in a few seconds without being not a native language speaker and not a programmer. Say, write an email from the CEO of the biggest bank in the country to all customers asking them to change password. You'll get super professional email that the bank CEO would love to write himself on one hand, including the name and everything. Yeah. And then you ask ChatGPT to write for you a code that collects user data. 
and you'll get the other part, including instructions of how to install it and how to run it, and you got an infrastructure for an attack. And this is a simple example. Don't try it at home, but <laughs> again, two minutes and you do it. Now, that's the beginning. Think about that, the fact that uh, generative AI can get generate code. So you can ask it to generate code that's based on all the knowledge of how to write malicious applications on the internet. Now, of course, there's filters to technologies like ChatGPT. So if you ask, please write me a malware, it will say, no, I'm not allowed to do that. But if you trick it, write a code that does ABSC, that might do the job. And that's a constant struggle. And that means that the proliferation of sophisticated attack and not just phishing can go anywhere today. And you do, you have to be far less skilled than you've been before. And you can still exploit experience of many bad people that developed malicious software and, and use it on your own. And that's something we should be really, really aware of and careful uh, in that regard. Yeah, no, absolutely. And 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 just moving on, we we've seen a lot of um companies implement AI into uh their sort of businesses and you've seen companies like I don't know, Nvidia, Microsoft recently share prices have, you know, gone so so far to the upside. Uh have have Checkpoint implemented AI driven changes to enhance efficiency and, and cost savings yet? If not, what are those plans? I think in fact, we're just at the beginning. I'm actually very encouraged with that. We did mm-hmm. from our uh, development team, for example, um, an initial hackathon of introducing them to the potential of AI and then giving them a couple of days to write AI application. And hackathon is something that we do for many years. I was the most impressed from all the hackathons I've ever seen. And we got 10 uh, teams. They all delivered uh, everything from simple things of, not simple things, but sophisticated Mm. things of how do I find information for the developer or for the internal users to how do I identify new types of attacks, how I identify it when one's user or login is used in another place and things that, again, it would have been very, very difficult to do in traditional technologies it would have taken months and years, and suddenly with AI, the teams could implement that in uh, less than a day. And uh, I think, by the way, out of a hackathon, we will implement most of the technologies in our products uh, fairly quickly. Um, so I think it has a huge potential for all of us in the technology space, both internally and externally in our products. Yeah, uh, d- just on uh, those sort of those Chat GPT emails. Does Checkpoint know if if one is is written by them, or are they actually so advanced now that they're really hard to to pick up? You know, you don't you you mentioned about a phishing email. They're pretty obvious, aren't they? The old school ones to the sort of the the, the native person. It's a very good question. I think first we're developing better and better technology to look yeah. into them. When we look at the message, that's a phishing message, we don't just look at the language. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure if yet we can say based on the language of the email, if we can say it's phishing or not. We're looking at many, many other signs. Like Got you. Which website does it refer to? It's coming. And by the way, we do create an effect that an AI is important here, the network effect. You know, if the bank, if it comes from the bank websites or from the bank mail server, if it refers to the bank website, if it's that's something that the bank sends on an regular basis, it's likely to be from the bank. But if suddenly you get an email with strange indicator, if it's sent to people that didn't get that email before and so on, we can get these attributes. And by the way, here the effect of 
the collaboration between all our technologies is very, very important because we will take the addresses that the mail is referring to and see that there's been additional malicious activities from them. And then within a matter of seconds, we can not just alert you that it looks suspicious, we can actually block that email or block the addresses that are referring to a malicious application. By the way, think about malicious attack. It can be a combination. Yeah. We can take an original email that was supposed to be sent and change few parts of it. And when you click on something, you get to the wrong place. So again, we can block just that and not the whole thing because we may not know. And, and again, we say, why should somebody do that? So think about that. When you're getting an email, it can be, or not an email, a website, anything that you look at. So again, um, when you go to a website, you go to a reputable news website, you know it's the news websites that you like to watch, but it has 10 ads that come from 10 different places. And these mm. ads may be malicious, even yeah. though they come from a trusted source. So th- to get to that granularity about what's allowed, what's unallowed is uh, quite sophisticated and the AI network effect can make a big difference here. Interesting. Just, just on AI and, and, and for Gil, for, for people that are listening that, that don't know, as you mentioned, the company you, you sort of co-founded in 1993, went public on the NASDAQ 1996. So you, you know, lived, breathed, went through the dot-com bubble. And if we, if some people might say AI is going to be a bubble, are, are you seeing similar kind of things like with technology in the, in the early part of the millennium, or is it too early to even make those comparisons? First, it's a good comparison, and AI definitely has the potential to be like, again, I think we are all very fortunate to have seen several revolution, technology revolution in our lifetime, from the internet, through the mobile yeah. phone, through the... Um, um, uh, now AI is, has the potential to be one of them. Some of us, the older ones, we've seen the PC revolution, and today it's hard to imagine the world to get to the point when it's not just the mobile phone, but we get the information on our hand. Everything that looks to us very trivial, some of it 10 years ago looked like science fiction. So I think that AI definitely has the potential to be one of these revolutions. Yeah. I think we're now at an inflection point. I definitely don't want to call it a bubble because yeah. it's not a bubble yet. It's an inflection point. And a year from now, we may sit down and say, wow, AI is cool technology. Didn't create a big change. But we may be here in two years or five years. If it will make an impact, it won't be just a year from now. It will be 10 years from now and see that the entire world is uh, is different, that I'm being interviewed by a bot and not uh, <laughs> by you. And uh, I'm also not answering because there is a bot that imitates me. Again, all these technologies are exist today and they are real. And, and we are both sitting doing 10 times more work. I'm not worried about our job. I'm worried, not worried. I think it's potential. And we are just doing 10 times more things because the... Uh, you know, an AI bot is interviewing for you and you can do 10 more interviews a day through that. So I think we may see that uh, five, 10 years from now. And I think it has a lot of, I think, by the way, mainly a lot of very good potential to our world in terms of uh, advancing us into the future. Yeah, well, hopefully in, in 10 years, the bot interview of yourself and, and I will be will be as good as this one. Uh, let's talk about growth. Checkpoint's performance since 2002 has shown really impressive, consistent growth in revenue, stable margins. However, I guess in recent years, the growth rate has slowed to a, a low single digit margins have compressed. I guess, interestingly as well, 2022 saw accelerated growth, but with a decline in margins. Could you uh, explain the factors behind those changes and provide insights into the current state of the company at the moment. 
So first, as a CEO of a company, my number one, my number one goal is to provide the best security to our yeah. customers. But next to it is translating it into business results and mm-hmm. business results in tech is growth. And we should and can do better and grow faster uh, in, in the world. I think one of the things that characterize Checkpoint is being the company that consistently grows. Yeah. We've, over the last 30 years, we've seen, uh, you know, you mentioned the dot-com bubble, and the 29 bubble, and we've seen many different crises in the different crises in our world. We survived all of them. We grew through all of them. And we've been able to sustain a very healthy business. Checkpoint has been profitable day one and talking about margins. Again, I don't want to brag, but we have some <laughs> of the highest margins in the technology business between 40 to 50 percent operating income and close to it net income uh, on our revenues. So I think we've been very, so I mean, my number one priority was being consistent growth and healthy growth. And I think in recent years, what we saw a phenomena that we now may need to face the consequences that investors and companies uh, didn't build what I call the healthy business model. Companies with hyper growth or some growth, but they don't know how to turn it into profit. And that's dangerous because that, you know, the, the rules of economy, like rules of nature will mean that the company needs to provide value generate revenue and translate it to some profit. And companies that don't know how to do that, and the last part of turning it into profit is kind of lost over the last few years for some some segments of the industry. We'll have to learn how to do it, and it will be very, very difficult. It's, it's not easy. Yeah. And, and if you I'll don't just... start with it. That's what, yeah. no, 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 sorry, sorry, continue. So I think what I'm, and for, so for example, the last few years in Checkpoint, we've expanded what we do in cyber. We've invested more inside the company. We've invested more average. It's not a trade-off between, by the way, revenues and profits and so on. It's actually expanding because we see that we need to do more on cyber. We need to expand to adjacent areas. And again, the result of it eventually should be growth in revenues, but most important, and by the way, we see it now. We take organizations, some of them, new customers, some of them have been customers and do a security transformation from them and turning them from using security from 12 different vendors into using the checkpoint single architecture. And they get the benefit of the collaborative security. That if we identify something on one place in the organization, we can block it all over. And that's very, very effective. Um, so I think that's been a huge investment on our side, building the future architectures for security, investing in more research, investing more, by the way, in go-to-market. How do you bring that message to the marketplace? Uh, which is also, I mean, again, me, I'm a technologist, and many technologies makes the mistake of believing that you have the best technology people <laughs> will just buy it. So I understood it many years ago. You need to invest a lot in taking it to the market. And uh, and I think that's what that's the constant uh, what I've been doing for the last thirty years. Yeah, and and I, I would say investors seem happy. I know look, the share price isn't the be all and end all of things, but if I were ever to own a public company, I'd want my share price to look like checkpoints. It's that consistent growth over time, you know, year after year. It's you know really really impressive. Um, just to talk about uh, the, the sort of the early days of the company and you really were one of the sort of the pioneers in offering cybersecurity solutions way before it became the norm, the high margins, as you mentioned, it, it brought, uh, sort of competition to that, which has become evident in recent years. I guess looking back, 
Do you believe that there were any sort of missed opportunities on your side? Anything you would have done differently? Well, there's always missed opportunities. And again, yeah. I don't look back and say, why. Well, I think again, I'm happy because Checkpoint, unlike most companies, never faced, uh, we faced many challenges. We are improving what we're doing. We're struggling all the time. That's part of our DNA. But we've never faced a real threat. Mm. We've always been growing. We've always had good technologies. We've always been very appreciated by our customers and we yeah. always generated profit. So we never had any situation. And again, I'm so proud. One of the things I'm proud for my employees, we never had, I don't know if there's any technology company that I can think of it in the last 30 years didn't have a layoff, for example. And we never had it because we managed the company really in good. a very healthy way that um, I, I think is right for, at least for my people. Um, now, of course, yes, we could have done more. We could have invested in some things earlier. We could have been far more aggressive in terms of sales and marketing. I think we should be, uh, I think we still pride ourselves of having the best technology and we have some competitors that have a much stronger, uh, uh, you know, go-to-market motion uh, that if we would have both, we would have been double or triple the size. But uh, I think overall, we built a very balanced organization. And I think where I'm very proud of it, that I've always make sure that our customer get the best value and our employees are proud to provide. it. Amazing. Let's talk about growth potential then. So the prevailing consensus on, on Wall Street indicates conservative growth rate 2 to 3% in the future uh, and a notable impact on margins. However, I understand that you hold a different viewpoint to this and i would highly value your insights in highlighting potential areas where the market consensus may be incorrect i don't know if the market consensus is correct or incorrect i actually want the market to feel that way and i hope and again one of the one of the things that ceos of public companies learn is that you don't want to hype the market and hardly make it you want to make sure that you always beat the market and uh, that the fact that you beat the market doesn't mean that you'll beat it next time so it's just becoming harder and harder (laughs) Uh, i think this year overall my challenge is to grow much faster than two three percent it's growing in a much higher rate here is a very special year because on one end we made a lot of investment and we are ready for much faster growth on the other hand, the last six months, we've all seen uh, some worrying sign from the economy. We've seen the inflation growth and we've seen um, a different behavior on the customer side. For two or three years during the corona time, enterprises and consumers too, but we are speaking mainly about enterprises, have went and spent a lot on technology. And now enterprises kind of slowed down, froze many, delayed many projects and saying, we want to re-rationalize our investment. We want to rethink things. And that, and I see it on many, many companies. And you don't see it in a huge effect because we generate a big percent of our revenues from annuity revenues, subscriptions that renew every year. But I, all the colleagues that I speak to in the industry are seeing, and again, we also analyze financial reports of companies. On the surface, they look okay. Below the surface, you see some very wor- some big warning signs. And by the way, we've seen it for some of the largest tech companies that have been growing for 20, more than 20% for a couple of years, which is unbelievable for their size. And suddenly the growth dropped to or close to zero. And again, not to mention the semiconductor uh, segment, which is which we see PC shipments drop by uh, 30% uh, and even more this last quarter. So I think we should all treat that as warning signs and not 
hype the potential, which I think for the long term is definitely there, but for the short term, I think we need to be careful about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just before we move on to our, our last question, I've got a very quick one. Uh, as a CEO of a public company, how often will you like look at the share price? And, and are you bothered by it in the short term or is it something that is, it just is what it is? I think first I look at it all the time. I'm, you know, I'm attached to my mobile and I see all the information <laughs> uh, constantly. I know what it is in the morning. I know what it is in the evening. I don't watch it the whole day. Uh, or at least for me, it's the afternoon and when yeah. I go to sleep. It's not the morning and the evening, it's the afternoon and night. Um, I, I think I care about that. I worry about what does it mean and what people understand. But my value, and I think it proved itself over 20, uh, how many, 27 years of running yeah. a public company now, focus on the value, focus on the results. Stock market will always make things bigger, bigger successes, yeah. bigger failures. What I need to do is make sure that I understand that the value that I provide is what my customer get and it's what's the financial results of the company. I think we do a fairly good job explaining it to Wall Street and Wall Street likes us and our stock is one of the more consistent one and more stable one. But uh, on the same time, it just need to remind what Wall Street is will always be a big multiplier of what you actually did. A good quarter will translate into amazing and uh, some weakness in the business, but maybe something that's very, that's insignificant may turn to the world turning upside down, unless you know how to treat it right, unless you educate both your employees and your investors that they should, that the real, the results are real and the view is, uh, is more than just next water. And again, I don't discount next water. I think I have some of the best, I think I've managed this public company already, uh, like more than 110, um, Quarters, I live from quarter to quarters. I think we may have missed the results on one or two quarters and we beat it on probably at least a hundred. But still, it's uh, the, the view is real results long term and never just let's beat next quarter. Yeah, fascinating insight. Fascinating insight. Um, let's just uh, go to the, 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 the last question on fundamentals, fundamentals, fundamentals. Uh, competitive advantage here. Uh, when you, you look at this industry, it's growing, it's expanding. There's companies that have just, you know, distinct products. You know, from a checkpoint perspective, how do you sort of separate it from its competitors? Oh, that's a great one. I think first, if I just try to make it quick, first we have the, we do have the best security. And again, you can expect all other companies to say the same, but it's not <laughs> the same. It's differentiated on several areas. First, we are focused 100% on preventing the next attack. It sounds simple, but it's not. Most of our industry has gave up on that and are saying, you know, you'll get hacked anyways. We'll detect it and we'll help you remediate it. Detecting and remediation cost you, and again, it's not just money, it's your reputation, it's your time, it's the lost it's the lost value, brand value, the lost time that you have 100 times more. And we are consistent about that. We will prevent the next attack and we can demonstrate it every day. We just got an award by a company that checked uh, our technology against our key competitors. The CEO of that company, Marcom, came on stage, told us, guys, I'm very proud that you got 90, 90.7% of prevention of what we call zero-day attacks. These are unknown attacks that were mm -hmm. seen for the first time. 
For me, by the way, I said we should have been 100. And then he <laughs> continued and he says, that's unreal. As when I did that benchmark, I thought maybe our benchmark is not is not tough enough, but your competitors are doing 30-40%. That's what he said, not what I said. So just to wow. explain the differences. Uh, it's true in our architecture. I talked about collaborative architecture that covers all the different elements of the cybersecurity and shares the knowledge to prevent attack. So again, if you're going to get a phishing email and you're email server will know how to block it, which sounds trivial, but for the real zero-day malware, nobody blocks them. They actually send you the malware and maybe an hour later will tell you, guess what? You might have been infected. We will prevent it. We will block it. But it's not enough. Once we blocked it, we should also make sure that no other vector can let that malware get into the organization. Because if you blocked it on the email server, you'll get it on your Gmail account and then you'll download it. And again, in terms of cyber terminology, you'll get it from a different attack vector from a web download, not from an email or on a WhatsApp to your mobile. How do you make sure you don't get the malware through the mobile? So our collaborative architecture is the only one that actually will see one thing and know how to treat it across all the attack vectors and block and prevent that attack. And again, I can go on for the next half hour, but I just stop with these few differentiators through what we do in Checkpoint. Amazing. Well, Gil, look, thank you so much for, for joining us today. And it's great to see from a market perspective that it is all about the fundamentals. And it's great to have your insight as the CEO of a public company for 27 years, which is just absolutely fascinating in an industry which is only going to go and, and get bigger, cybersecurity and AI, obviously uh, at the, the front of many headlines at the moment. So, Gil, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you very much, Sam. been a pleasure and look forward to see what comes out of it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you very much. You have been listening to Digest and Invest by eToro. For more information, use eToro.com. 